Hello, you're now tuned in to our spookiest episode of the season. Yes, Epically Creepy Stories, Volume 2. We have a number of disturbing tales for you. Trigger warnings include violence, home invasion, and murder. If you're brave enough to proceed, get ready and excited for The Light, written by The Shadows You Fear, narrated by Kevin Ward. Honey and the Bee, written by Decorative Gentleman, narrated by Evander Baker. The Bell Witch, written by Nicole Gordon, narrated by Amberly Harris. Oopsie Daisy, written by Sugar Sode, narrated by Lex Hansen. This New Old House, written by Bat Out of Hell 821, narrated by Ruthanna Reardon. And Annabelle Lee, written by Edgar Allan Poe, narrated by Kevin Ward. The Light, by the Shadows You Fear. We make fun of little kids for one thing, leaving lights on everywhere. They turn lights on in every room as if it's some sort of security blanket. And if you ever force them to turn them off, they cry and they scream, and eventually you give in. The only time they turn them off is with their parents. They feel safe, so very safe. I'm the monster that lives in your closet. I'm friends with the one under your bed and the one in the shadows. When you see us, you flee to your mommy and daddy. But we're not here to hurt you. We're here to protect you. If you think we're scary, just wait till you see their true form. They masquerade as one of you, and you can never tell. You humans must be blind. Your true monsters sleep just down the hall. They pretend to love you, but it won't last. They try to convince us to let them in. Don't worry. We really love you, and we will protect you. So when you see a shadow flit, or a figure in the closet, remember, we scary monsters protect you from the human ones. So you're safe with us. For now. Today, 10.24 a.m. Honey, you got a package from Amazon. Didn't want to leave it on the porch, but Greg and Helen from next door helped me get it inside. Today, 11.01 a.m. You've got your meeting today, right? Coming home for lunch? Might be up for some afternoon delight. Today, 11.46 a.m. Is this the bookcase we were looking at? In the box? If so, it might be assembled already. Today, 12.47 p.m. Just got out of the shower. Must have just missed you. Where'd you put the bookcase? Wait, are you still here? Today, 12.54 p.m. There's someone in the house. I'm calling the police. Hiding in the closet. He's downstairs. Can't get out. I love you. Today, 12.59 p.m. Why won't he leave? Where's the cops? He keeps whistling. He's so close. Today, 
1.03 p.m. Meeting done. Babe, I read back. What? Shit. Leaving work. Stay quiet. Today, 1.06 p.m. Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. She tried to stay quiet. You wouldn't let her. She's quiet now. (laughs) This is the story of the Bell Witch, as written by Nicole Garten. Something was trying to get in. Asleep beneath her quilt in 1817, Betsy Bell awoke in the dark to a sound, a knock at the door. But no one was there. Night after night, doors were pounded, windows banged on, and the flapping of wings sounded against the roof. Betsy's father and brothers would examine the house, but in the moonlight that shone on their log cabin, they found nothing. As the days went by, the sounds grew louder and more frequent until they shook the cabin with their force. Maybe they were caused by earthquakes, Betsy's father thought but no one else in the neighborhood was affected. Maybe they were the work of some scoundrels up to mischief, he guessed. But the culprit couldn't be caught. Then one night there was a scratching sound inside Betsy's room like claws scraping on the floor. It had gotten inside. Every night after that, the noise kept 12-year-old Betsy and the rest of her family awake and scared. It moved throughout the house, getting worse and worse. Then one night, while Betsy huddled under her quilt, the cover slid off as if someone were pulling them. She could hear the sounds of smacking lips, gulping, and choking. Soon, members of the family regularly were having their blankets torn off. When Betsy and her brothers tried to get them back, an unseen hand would slap them. It also began to pinch them, hit them, and pull their hair. The family finally had to admit the truth. They had a ghost. Then the ghost began to talk. The voice would laugh, sing, curse, and sometimes recite prayers and sermons. The spirit seemed to like Betsy's mother Lucy, but it hated her father John. The ghost also seemed to hate Betsy and was especially abusive to her. Not only was the girl slapped until Waltz appeared, but she started having fainting spells. Betsy would start panting or gasping for breath, and sometimes she closed her eyes and lay as though she were dead, losing her breath for as long as a minute. Then the spells would pass and she would be fine. When Betsy felt like she couldn't take any more, her parents sent her to a friend's house to spend the night. On her first night away from home, Betsy ate supper with her best friend. They talked for a while and then headed to bed. They had just snuggled under the covers when a knock sounded on the bedroom door. Then the door flew open and a blast of wind blew out the candles. The covers were jerked from the bed. The girls jumped up to close the door and found it had never been opened. People accused Betsy of making up the ghost and creating those noises herself using ventriloquism or making her voice sound like it was coming from someplace else. But soon, the hauntings grew beyond anything a 12-year-old girl could possibly produce. When a strange, nervous condition made it difficult for John Bell to chew or swallow, he blamed it on the ghost. He knew he couldn't keep the family secret any longer. Once word got out, concerned friends and curious strangers visited the Bells to hear the ranting and raving of the ghost, which became known as the Bell Witch. The witch was a torment not only to Betsy, but to John Bell. The spirit taunted and threatened him. More and more, he would suffer spells and facial contortions, which forced him to take to his bed. In 1820, three years after the haunting began, John's sons found him unconscious. In the cupboard where John's medicines were kept, his son found a strange bottle. 
the witch laughed and said she gave it to him. She said he would never wake up. And he never did. If you're like us and love true scary experiences from real people that hit the soul with full terror narrated by a voice that lulls you into beautiful nightmares, the Let's Read podcast is just for you. With stories ranging from creepy stalkers, paranormal experiences, and unexplained phenomena, this podcast has something for everyone's creepy needs. Tune in on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7pm on the YouTube channel Let's Read for all new stories and catch up with what you've missed by listening to your favorite podcast apps. I love my six-year-old son, Marcus, and would not trade him for any other child in the world. His only problem is that he's constantly having little accidents. You'll ask him if he needs to go to the bathroom, and he'll tell you that he doesn't. But less than a minute later, he'll pee himself and immediately say, oopsie-daisy, with a big smile on his face. I've tried to get him to wear diapers, but he refuses to wear them, as he says he's a big boy now. I've complained about this to my husband, but he says our son has never had an accident when he's minding him. Our other child, Chloe, is now three years old and is thankfully potty trained, and hasn't had an accident in months. I can see a look of anger cross Marcus's face every time I praise Chloe for using her potty. I was FaceTiming with my mother when Marcus came running in and told me he had another accident. I could see my mother laugh as I told her all about his problems. I said a quick goodbye to my mother and stood up to go help Marcus get cleaned up. He grabbed my hand and began to drag me along. 
I was a bit confused as he was bringing me towards the garage. We stood outside the garage and he simply pointed inside with a little smile on his face. I turned on the lights before walking in and stopped dead in my tracks as I saw it was on the floor. Chloe's body was lying in a pool of blood just inside the door. Her head had been obliterated and there was still a hammer embedded in her skull. I slowly turned my head to stare at Marcus and flinched as he simply said, Oopsie Daisy, before running off giggling. We bought an old house, my boyfriend and I. He's in charge of the new construction, converting the kitchen into the master bedroom, for instance, while I'm on wallpaper removing duty. The previous owner papered every wall and ceiling. Removing it is brutal, but oddly satisfying. The best feeling is getting a long peel, similar to your skin when you're peeling from a sunburn. I don't know about you, but I kind of make a game of feeling on the hunt for the longest piece before it rips. Under a corner section of paper in every room is a person's name and a date. Curiosity got the best of me one night when I googled one of the names and discovered the person was actually a missing person. The missing date matching the date under the wallpaper. The next day I made a list of all the names and dates. Sure enough, each name was for a missing person with dates to match. We notified the police who naturally sent out the crime scene team. I overheard one text say, Yup, it's human. Human? What's human? Ma'am, where is the material you removed from the walls already? This isn't wallpaper you were removing. Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe It was many and many a year ago, in a kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea, but we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabel Lee, so that her high-born kinsman came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulchre in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabel Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of my beautiful Annabel Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabel Lee, 
and the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And so all the night tide I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride in her sepulchre there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. If you made it this far, thank you for tuning in. A special thank you to all of our writers and narrators. Happy nightmares, and be sure to tune in for something epic. Watching. Who's watching me? Who's watching me?